0: Welcome to the Health Conscious Podcast, a creation by Cornell students in the Sloan Health Administration Program. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast explores healthcare trends in today's world. And now, please welcome your hosts, Daniel and David.
1: Welcome to the Health Conscious Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Daniel Volstein, and I'm a second year MHA student at the Cornell University Sloan Program. I completed my bachelor's at Cornell as well, where I studied biology, but presently my interests revolve around incorporating technology to enhance patient health and drive operational improvements in clinical settings. I just completed my summer internship at Mass General Brigham in Boston, but I'm
2: originally from New York City. Hi everyone, I'm your other co-host. My name is David Martinez, and I am a second year MHA student at Cornell University. I completed my undergraduate studies in health services administration at Florida International University. My interests lie in strategy and innovation within the healthcare space to bring out the best in our caregivers across our country. I completed my summer internship at Massachusetts General Hospital's Cancer Center. We're super excited to kick off
1: Season 5, Episode 1 of the Health Conscious Podcast. We already have some incredible guests lined up for the coming weeks, so stay tuned. Welcome to Admin
2: Fellows Unplugged, candid conversations on excellence. This episode, we wanted to get a wide range of guests from Colleen Griffin, who is currently in her fellowship, Jacob Scroggins, who recently concluded his fellowship, and Kyle Acey, who completed his fellowship in 2020. Welcome, everyone. Please tell us where you're from, where you did
1: your fellowship, and what your current role is. Kyle, we can start with you. Hey, good afternoon,
3: everyone. My name is Kyle Acey. I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah. I spent most of my life kind of growing growing up there. I completed my fellowship in 2020 at Stanford Healthcare.
4: Jacob. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jacob Scroggins. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. I did my undergrad at Texas A&M, graduate studies at Cornell, and then I just completed this past year uh, my one-year fellowship at Cleveland Clinic. And Colleen.
0: Hi, I'm Colleen Griffin. I'm from Boston, Mass., and I did my undergrad at Boston College grad school at Harvard School of Public Health and now I'm at Mass General Hospital for my two year fellowship.
2: Thank you. So to start it off. Can you share a little bit about your background and what led you to pursue an administrative fellowship?
0: Sure, I can jump in. Um, so I worked at the Cancer Center at Mass General after my undergrad and before grad school, thought I wanted to be a doctor and wanted to get some experience with patients there. Um, loved that, but realized there are so many inefficiencies in the healthcare system. Uh, so really wanted to kind of try to fix some of those and get our patients to have a better kind of flow and patient experience. So that's why I decided to go get back and get my master's, learned about fellowships while I was in my program there, and thought it was an awesome opportunity just to expand my knowledge base in different areas um, and get an opportunity to dig a little deeper before I decide what role I want to jump into next.
4: Yeah. And I... um I always had an interest in, in healthcare and sciences. So I, I was a biomedical sciences major and undergrad never really felt like I wanted to pursue medicine. I actually did an internship doing human capital health and benefits consulting. So I worked a lot with, um, different payers and, and large, uh, group employer health sponsored plans. And, um, I always felt like, you know, while I really enjoyed the work. I felt like it was a little removed from uh, the patient. So I, that led me to look into, um, MHA programs. And that led me obviously to Cornell and um, Cleveland Clinic really stood out to me as uh, just a place where there's massive innovation, not only from a clinical standpoint, but also from an administrative standpoint. So that drew me in for the internship, which eventually turned into the fellowship and and now a full-time role.
3: For me, I had a lot of really cool mentors and, and individuals in my life as a teenager who I knew were within health administration. They'd gone different routes with undergrad. And for myself, I had studied finance at the University of Utah, had a little bit of a business background because the sciences and biology and chemistry and everything just never made sense to me. And following that within undergrad, we had a chance to work for the University of Utah Health System within their digital health team. Uh, Really found it exciting to see kind of the the business development, the innovation side of health systems. Uh, I've always spent my time within academic medicine. And so pursued an MHA at VCU, had a chance to intern there spent a little bit of time at UCLA as a graduate intern, and then that inevitably led me to, to Stanford, was really intrigued by, obviously, the, the geographic presence of Silicon Valley, a lot of innovation, lots of massive tech companies, um, and so the kind of the sky's the limit with what you can do within business development, strategy, different innovative uh, products and services, um, and that's what inevitably drew me into to broader healthcare and, and where I find myself now.
1: Great. Yeah, that was that was a great introduction on all of you. So we know that the Cleveland Clinic Fellowship is project-based, while the MGH1 is more rotation-based. Jacob and Colleen, can you guys comment a little bit about your experiences, what you liked, what you didn't like?
4: Yeah, I can kick it off with Cleveland Clinic. So you're right, it is a one-year, 12-month um, project-based fellowship. And I think the major benefit of that is um, all the projects that any fellow is ever going to get assigned, it goes through a, a very thorough review process from the leadership team of the fellowship. So you know that whatever project you end up having is going to be um, a valuable one and your role within it is going to be um, crucial to the success of the project. I think um, obviously bias here after just completing the project-based fellowship, but I think the major benefit that I experienced was typically when you onboard onto a project it's in its initial phases you're able to work with this project sponsor and really scope out the the project and the course that it's going to take and you get to see it through completion and I don't know that that's always the case in a rotational so it'll be interested to hear what Colleen has to say
0: yeah that's really interesting and it's fun to hear about different programs and how they work um ours is a two-year rotational program as you said So we go through seven rotations in um, finance, patient care services, which is nursing and the therapies, um, operations, human resources. We do a little bit with patient advocacy, the physician's organization, and the president's office. So within those rotations, we do get to work on projects, and it's driven not only by the organizational needs, so there might be projects that they want us to help with because they're of great importance, but also you really get to drive um, what your interests are and pursue those within the areas that you're currently rotating through. Um, so it's really nice that you can kind of go after things that you want to work on or explore areas or, or work with leaders that you're, um, you've are you clicked with in the past. And it's a really nice way to kind of get a mix of both. Although I would say the downside, which is kind of um, converse to what you were saying, Jacob, is some projects you don't get to see the whole um, way through since you'll rotate onto the next um, next chapter. So it's kind of sad to not see you know, all your work to completion. Some you absolutely do get to see the whole way through, others though you pass off to the next fellow or to someone else on the team. So definitely pros and cons there.
2: So now that we've been able to hear a little bit more of your fellowships and some of the things that you were able to do within rotations and projects, I wanted to hear a little bit more of some of the most significant and impactful roles or projects that you had during your time as a fellow within these institutions.
4: I'm happy to kick it off. Uh, so. Here at Cleveland Clinic, I would say my most impactful project that I ended up spending the most amount of time on was actually help helping activate a new hospital. Um, it's about 30 minutes east of Cleveland in um, a town called Minor. So Minor Hospital, which just opened up uh, last month, today actually it was seven eleven, um, is the first ever inpatient presence in Lake County, um, and it's in the history of it, it being a county. So it was a, you know, the community was obviously really excited about it. Cleveland Clinic was really excited about it. And um, it was one of my first projects that I onboarded during the fellowship. So I was able to, you know, start out working on workflows and, and, you know, you know, very small, detailed type projects. And then just last month, I was able to actually be on site when the first patient came through the doors. So I, I don't know that that's, you know, a typical experience that someone, you know, just coming out of grad school is, is typically able to get. So I'm really grateful to the Cleveland Clinic and the fellowship for giving me that opportunity.
3: Uh, so maybe one thing i'd emphasize just to any you know any individuals who are interested in fellowships is that every single program whether it's 12 months or 24 months you have super unique experiences and most of it's due to just serendipity about what's occurring within the organization there's not a lot of planning efforts on your behalf it's just whenever you land within the organization um and so for myself i was i started in uh summer of 2019 Stanford had been building a a hospital for 10 years, and similar to Jacob, had the opportunity to help open up the the new Stanford Hospital. It was $2.3 billion in the making, 12 years to finish off. Uh, Really exciting opportunity and really cool to see all the community engagement, the leadership engagement, the, the clinical overlap, everything else. Uh, to get that moving. That was within November of my fellowship year. So the, the bulk of the fall was kind of built, kind of building up to that point. About Two months after that, obviously all of us are super familiar with COVID-19 and the, the overall pandemic. And so helped establish all of the COVID response efforts for uh, the broader Bay Area, Stanford Healthcare, on the adult and children's side, and just trying to understand you know, everything that was ongoing. Um, The first few weeks and months, obviously, were very impactful and very crazy. Every single day was something different. Um, I would say, in general, those those were two very large, like I said on the onset, serendipitous events and projects that I participated in that were very operational in nature. Um, Maybe one that was more strategic in nature that was maybe geared toward some of my interests was at the beginning of the fellowship program, Stanford Healthcare itself wanted to stand up its own venture arm or its own innovation accelerator for our faculty, students, and staff. And so with the CEO and a handful of other executives, that was probably one of my main projects as a fellow. So I spent the bulk of my time building what's now known as the Stanford Medicine Catalyst. It was about $10 million in funding, then fund about eight to 10 projects each year, just a really impactful and fun project to be a part of. So that hopefully shows anyone, any perspective fellow, based on your own areas of interest, on core operations or enterprise strategy, there's a lot of exciting opportunities that exist in organizations.
1: Awesome, yeah, Jacob and Kyle, that was great. I I'm actually hearing this for the first time uh, with all the listeners, so it's really impressive how much trust and responsibility they're giving over to the fellows. Um, Colleen, we know that you know David and I were at Mass General this summer. And we know that fellows here get a lot of exposure to executives and they have a really positive reputation across the system, because the fellowship has been operating for over 50 years. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a really well known and established fellowship, which is great. We're in our 50th year, as you said, so figuring out how do we want to celebrate that. But um, it's really well known. I rarely have to describe my role to someone I meet at the organization everyone is really excited to work with fellows. I often get people reaching out asking if I can help with projects because they know um, the precedent that my predecessors have set uh, that I you know they want fellows to work on projects and uh, do, as you say, like really respect us and and get us on really large and important um, initiatives for the system, which is great. but it's been amazing so far. like you said, we have great access to our preceptors um, and senior leadership we, depending on the rotation kind of move around, but typically sit in the C-suite. So we regularly you know, bump into all the different leaders and they all have very much an open door policy with us, which is awesome. Um, the CFO and the COO are our program directors because they themselves were former fellows. So they really value the program and um, push us to be our, our best selves and um, you know, represent the program well, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's been a great experience thus far. I'm a year in, so still have a year to go. It's flying by. Really feel like I've gotten to work on a variety of projects, and the day to day is every day is different, which is really fun and exciting for me. So um, I've really enjoyed it so far and am looking forward to my next year.
2: Thank you so much for that, Colleen. Kyle and Jacob, were your experiences similar in this effect? And how is the nature of your work and independence in these roles? And also, how accessible was senior leadership to you as a fellow?
4: Yeah, uh, from the Cleveland Clinic side, I would say it's very similar to what Colleen described. I think that, you know, the, there's a long track record and history of, of fellows doing exceptional work here at the clinic. So um, coming on board, we we actually have meet and greets the, probably the first few weeks of uh, the, the fellowship is dedicated to just getting fellows exposed to um, executive not only here at main campus, but across uh, the entire enterprise. Um, but again, because of that sort of, um, Track track record of of great work by fellows. I think that um, you know there's constantly being projects that are fed to uh, the fellow leadership and are then passed down to us as um, other potential opportunities that continue to come up. Um, as far as working independently, I would say you know the fellow role evolves over the the 12 month period. I think initially when you when you get onto projects, I think um it's it, you focus a lot on just honing those sort of core project management skills, and then once you sort of get over the six-month hump, I think the the mindset then begins to change to actually um, helping in sort of thought partnership and, and helping the leaders and, and your preceptors make actual decisions that uh, translate into to meaningful operational efficiencies.
3: Yeah, I would echo very similar on the Stanford healthcare front. I mean, as a fellow, um, lots of autonomy on, on identifying different projects and things that you're interested in. Sky's the limit within the organization. And so you have the ability to kind of curate a lot of moving projects and a lot of different initiatives that are ongoing uh, just by meeting all of the leaders. I mean, you spend the first eight weeks, 12 weeks meeting one-on-one with every SQL executive and, and clinical leader, just getting to know them, understanding what projects exist in their areas, also developing and, and understanding what relationships you can have with them. I would also say too, I mean, not to just have everything as, you know, rose-colored glasses with, with everything. I mean, there are leaders inevitably that you mesh very, very well with. And you end up doing a lot of work, a lot of projects, and you spend a lot of time with them individually. And there's other leaders due to maybe complexity in their teams at the time, or just by nature of how they you know, respond and react to the broader fellowship program. Some of them don't align entirely with what you're trying to do. And that's totally okay. But that's also part of the, the fellowship experience is learning how to gravitate toward mentors, leaders who are maybe similar in nature to you and how you can learn and develop as a fellow and ultimately a healthcare administrator, and then others on how you kind of handle working with maybe difficult team members or difficult projects and so forth that kind of ground out the entire experience. And so I, ha- I personally had phenomenal mentors, worked directly with the CEO and many of the executive leaders throughout the 12 months I was a fellow, uh, still have lasting relationships with everyone within the Stanford healthcare footprint um, and, and really appreciate that.
1: Great. I want to hear more about kind of what aspects of your administrative fellowship in terms of really the skills gained, do you find yourself res- reflecting on most frequently in your current role?
0: I can just say currently, I mean, I'm building a lot of strong skills in finance and things like that, but I really think the fellowship is great for building those soft skills, kind of like Kyle was just saying of learning how to work with different personalities and kind of be- becoming your own person and being able to. Reach out to people on your own, and you know, like form those connections and network. I think is a really great skill that's not necessarily listed in the things that you take away from the fellowship, but I think it's going to have the most value for me going forward. Of really developing into a professional and learning from leaders, good and bad, and deciding how I want to lead in the future. So I think that's very beneficial to me at the moment.
4: Yeah, I would just echo both, both what Colleen and Kyle said. I think situational awareness is a word that. It kind of comes to mind when when trying to navigate sort of potentially, you know, political circumstances. I think that that exists at any organization. So I think that's one major sort of soft skill in addition to like the harder skills like, you know, you, you're constantly working in Excel spreadsheets, making PowerPoint, doing Tableau analysis, things like that. I would say um, the the other thing is just, and maybe this is specific to Cleveland Clinic, but just not being afraid to pick up the phone, like as a project manager, which is your role a lot of times in the in the fellowship. Um, picking up the phone and calling people, you'd be amazed at how much faster you can uh, get traction and and continue to move things along. So that's one of the biggest takeaways I had.
3: I'll maybe take just a couple, maybe a slightly different approach just to like, you know, mix up the the responses a little bit. I think all of us within our respective organizations where you work, you know, there is a a different level of like how decisions are made and, and how things actually operate and function. And to be honest, without a fellowship, like if you had, you know, exited, a graduate program, you know, MBA, MHA, whatever it is, and let's go say you're an analyst or a project project manager or a manager somewhere, it's really difficult to see at the highest levels, like how decisions are made. Like what is the relationship between the board and the executive team? What's the relationship between the executive team and the leaders who are directly under that? And And how are decisions made? How are decisions cascaded? And I think what became like invaluable for me is knowing and understanding exactly how that flows everywhere across the organization. And even when or if I leave Stanford, you know, the same type of methodology will will happen with regardless of where I am, I can ask the question, meaningful questions like, hey, how does the board act? How are decisions made? When are major capital projects, uh, you know, assigned? And when is, you know, all these like just tactical things about the organization that make things successful? Um, that's made one major thing that I I learned as a fellow. And it, you can take that kind of wherever you go. I would say maybe the, the only other one I would say would be just from an overall leadership presence perspective, you know, as a as a recent grad, as a brand new fellow, yeah, you may not have like the gravitas of a you know an, an executive leader at you know these top and premier organizations. But you have the ability to sit in every single meeting with them. You can see how they respond, how they react under pressure, how they, what things they focus on, maybe things that they don't focus on, um, and then ultimately how they broadcast that throughout the organization. I think one of the most fascinating experiences I had was right around the pandemic, our CEO, his name's David Entwistle, was asked to do quite a few interviews on major news networks uh, CBS CNBC, a bunch of like business oriented news networks. And I would see his detailed notes going into the, into the, you know, five minute long interview on a major national network. And then he'd exit his office and he'd come out and we'd have a chance to sit there and talk about how he felt about it. If he was nervous, if he was like losing his mind due to stress, or if he was like totally cool, calm and collected based on how things were going nowhere else outside of a fellowship do you have that type of exposure to a senior leader going through those types of experiences. And so there is a lot you can learn as a fellow for sure.
2: Thank you all so much for these insightful answers and having learned skills that you were able to gain through your fellowship. I wanted to ask, what were some of the skill sets that you were able to learn in graduate school that translated and that helped you move into this role as a fellow?
3: I can start with a quick one. So to be completely frank, and sorry for any you know previous professors I did or didn't have, but like, I didn't enjoy school that much. I, I really didn't. Like I, I wanted to get through it like super fast and just be done. <laughs> I wanted to go work and like actually like make contributions and, and actually like make progress on things rather than just like regurgitating what a textbook said. No harm or foul against anyone who wrote a textbook. That's just, it's just my personality. Um, and so for me, to be honest, the, the the not the only thing, but like the major thing I took out of both undergrad and graduate school from awesome programs like I loved VCU it was such an awesome place to be for an MHA had a great cohort and professors, but it just taught me how to critically think um, it taught me how to like really go through the nuanced details of being like, you know what, I may not know every single thing about billing and coding, or about healthcare economics, or rev cycle or clinical operations, but you know what? I guarantee there is a textbook somewhere or there are resources or there are leaders in the organization who I can reach out to very quickly. And I guarantee I can get out of this predicament or solve this problem or move the project forward. And so you learn that a ton as an MHA student because you're backed into a corner on saying, no idea what health economics is. I don't know healthcare finance or accounting or statistics or anything else, but I promise like, Digging in just a little bit, you'll figure it out because you'll likely see variations of it again throughout all stages of your career.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I do think it's the critical thinking skills that come out the most um, and and the internship. I believe most programs do an internship. Mine was fantastic in just learning another organization and how they operate. I think that's pretty critical, the on-the-job learning. Um, the one class that I was surprised that I do kind of refer back to sometimes is organizational behavior. I really thought it was kind of a lot of fluff at the time while I was taking it. But the reality of any organization is there's a lot of politics at play and really kind of understanding those dynamics is pretty critical. So I think that class surprisingly helped me a lot in thinking through situations and maybe how people respond and looking at bigger picture, maybe understanding why they're responding that way or the situation is the way it is. Um, So I'd I'd recommend taking a class in that or something similar just to kind of get a little bit of background on um, the psychology and that aspect of organizations.
4: I think the only thing I would add um, is I think going into grad school, particularly for folks who maybe don't have a healthcare admin sort of background going into grad school, I think the high level, just understanding of how. You know the healthcare system operates like having the different payers and healthcare organizations and, and reimbursement models. I think is is helpful going into a fellowship. Um, but to be fully transparent, I think the biggest takeaway for me is more just the connections I've made with with um, students who are in my cohort, below me, above me, et cetera. Uh, because you know it is crazy. I did the internship here at Cleveland Clinic, went through the early decision process, so I knew I'd be returning uh, here for the fellowship before I even went back to complete my second year at Cornell, and then. So I didn't go through the normal application, but one of my co, uh, members of my cohort at Cornell went through the normal application and ended up being my co-fellow here at Cleveland Clinic. So it's just, you know, speaks to, they say all the time, healthcare is a really small world and um, it truly is. And then I also know a lot of different folks from my uh, cohort who went outside of healthcare organization. So it's just something great. You can always fall back on if you ever choose to have, um, you know, a change in your career path.
1: Very nice. I actually second, Colleen, what you said about organizational development. Uh, David and I had a course here on that with a phenomenal professor. And that, I think, taught me more that actually was used in my internship than anything else. I wanted to ask, I know sometimes core classes may not seem very fun um, and they, they're a little bit too academic. I was wondering if you guys took any electives while you were in grad school that really gave you a a good look. something you didn't experience before didn't even think about uh just because a lot of our listeners are you know in graduate school or entering graduate school so it'd be a useful insight
4: yeah so speaking to cornell which which you two are are obviously very familiar with they allow you to take um classes outside of like across the entire university so i think that that's you know typically a, a pulling factor for a lot of uh prospective students and one class that i was able to take and i know it's it's very common among amongst the mha cohort was um, an introductory consulting class, and you know, while I wasn't and currently not maybe thinking about going into consulting, I still think the sort of critical thinking piece that Kyle and, and Colleen spoke about um, was really important. And a lot of fellows uh, or fellowship programs, you know, have sort of case style interview questions, so I think that um, you know it was good prep for that as well. So that's you know that's one class that comes to my mind.
0: Yeah, we had a similar thing where you could enroll um, across different colleges, which was really nice. And I took a couple innovation classes um, that while they might not be totally relevant to my job right now, it's very helpful if you're uh, inside the box thinker like me to try to have strategies to think outside the box. And I found that helpful on projects that I work on. Um, and it's just fun to learn about innovation. So I would recommend that. Also, I took a couple classes on um, healthcare care costs overall, not from a hospital system perspective but from you know the larger ecosystem perspective and I think it was really helpful in kind of grounding me in the larger you know the world isn't just Mass General Hospital it's much larger than that and there's considerations outside of that when you're going for a DON process or something like that so I thought that was helpful in reframing you know I only have experience in hospitals specifically but healthcare as a whole um, thinking about the larger system I think is very helpful.
3: At VCU, we didn't have uh, a whole lot of flexibility with, with different electives, but they had you know very unique courses that we took that I'll just maybe share just some brief insight on. I would say just generally though, for anyone within an MHA program now, um, if you do have the optionality or even you know just attention effort towards specific classes that you have, you know, pay particular attention to maybe some of those courses that you may may not be super interested in. But you know, taking a course within it can actually pay off pretty significantly down the line, just by knowing you know the fundamentals of a particular topic. One class for me, I, re- I recall, I think it was spring of my last year uh, as a as a student, I had to take a health policy and law class. I am n- never going to go into policy, uh, not a lawyer, and so you know, never going to dive deeper into any of that beyond what I saw in that class. But the what I learned within those handful of months, um, really going into tactical details on like lobbying power and how bills are passed and what policy looks like within healthcare. Uh, we even spent some time, I mean, obviously since VCU is based out of Richmond, we went up for an entire day uh, in Washington, DC, met a bunch of senators and different policymakers within that campus and um, fascinating, fascinating opportunity. That again, like like I said, I don't need to go into health policy or law to be a health administrator, but like knowing how the internal mechanisms of it work at a high level um, taught me a lot. And so, for anyone looking for elective courses or different ways to just slightly differentiate themselves in their program, you know, take a look and look outside the box a little bit on some of those courses.
2: Thank you all so much. Those that was some very insightful answers. I'll uh, make sure to look for some of those courses that'll be a differentiator for my time at Cornell. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask, with so many great healthcare institutions across the country in for-profit and non-profit areas, what are a couple of the factors you're considering or looking for as a prospective fellow, and how many programs did you guys apply for?
0: Mine was a relatively easy process, um, so I can go first. I am from Boston and knew I wanted to stay because of family and other Um, outside factors so I only applied to the Boston area fellowships and didn't really discern between one year two year rotation project based at the time of applying Um, I think I maybe applied to six but I wish I had because they are really really different in how they're structured and what you um, put in and get out of them I think now that I've been in it and heard from people in other fellowship programs so I'd really look into that more and think about, you know, do you really know what you want to do already? Or do you really want to get a broad, maybe less deep view of a bunch of different areas and consider that pretty thoroughly when you're applying? But um, otherwise, location, location-wise, location it was an easy process for me.
4: Yeah, I think mine, I, and I kind of spoke to this a little bit already, but I obviously had a unique sort of uh, trajectory to get into the fellowship here at the Cleveland Clinic. So I, you know, I can speak a little bit about what um, drew me here for the internship. I think you know, I kind of viewed the internship, and I always encourage current students to do the same. I, I really viewed it as a trial period for a new city. So, you know, coming from Dallas and going up to Ithaca, New York, I knew that that was a huge jump to begin with. So, I was pretty confident in knowing that I wouldn't end up back in Dallas immediately. So, um, you know, I took a chance on Cleveland. Really fell in love with um, the city and and all that it has to offer, um, and fell in love with the culture here at the clinic. And and you know, I it made me by the end of my internship, I was 100% confident that I wanted to, to do the fellowship here and, and didn't really even have the opportunity to think about one year, two year project-based rotational. I kind of just knew I wanted to be at the Cleveland Clinic.
3: I have a unique uh, experience with it just due to just VCU program itself. So most MHA programs in the country are are just traditional two year. And then following that, you know, you graduate and move on to fellowship uh, or whatever other career opportunity you have. With VCU it's technically three years. So you have two years of didactic work and then technically you don't actually graduate until you've completed a fellowship or a residency through VCU. And so that alters a little bit of your strategy to some capacity because you do have uh, a built-in network with VCU and their alumni base and a lot of great locations that you could go serve as a, whether it's an executive residency or or a national fellowship. For myself, there was a few that I had applied to through the VCU program. They have very deep roots with uh, our HCA colleagues and CHS and Life Points and a couple of other systems across the East Coast. And so many of my cohort and colleagues end up in a lot of those systems doing uh, phenomenal work across the country. But for me, I knew I kind of wanted to balance the equation a little bit. I, I was intrigued by HCA and some of those other systems. They do a phenomenal job and have great programs but I also knew I wanted to be applying for some of the national fellowships that we all know are very competitive and, and it's a little bit of a tricky application cycle. I think in totality between the VC residencies that I had applied to, which were like three or four, I think I'd applied to maybe six or seven national fellowships. Since I grew up in Salt Lake City, I spent most of my time on the West Coast. I kind of wanted to bounce a little closer to home. so I was aiming a little more West Coast than anything. Um, inevitably through all of the interview process and all of the different selection criteria, it kind of boiled down between a couple of great locations with HCA and Stanford healthcare. Um, given that I had spent the, I mean, the bulk of my career within academic medicine, that's kind of inevitably where I gravitated. And I also thought from a broader career trajectory, that's where I wanted to go was, you know, there's a lot of cool, innovative efforts that exist within Stanford, within academic footprints. And so felt like I could kind of propel myself in that way, because that is one criteria I know for any pros- you know, prospective fellow, they're thinking like, how do I just get into that organization? But you also have to remember, in most instances, you're probably going to stay there for a handful of years post-fellowship. And so thinking through a little bit of that career path as well on thinking about you know what does it look like post fellowship and so on i'm sure we'll talk about there here in a few minutes but um that's kind of the the broader mindset of my selection and, and how many i'd apply to
1: great yeah i i think this actually really applies to david and i right now as we you know enter the recruitment cycle and try to figure out which field we want to direct ourselves to where we want to apply etc so thank you for that i I wanted to hear more about what mentorship looks like in your programs and, you know, how you would describe your growth with your mentor. Like, do you still keep in touch?
0: So at MGH, we don't have um, an assigned mentor necessarily, but your preceptors and other leaders that you interact with um, become your mentors kind of naturally, I would say. We're a teaching hospital and everyone really has that uh, teaching mentality that they want to help grow the next generation. So, people are often eager to kind of give you advice and help you along your way. Um, So we have, you know, you have a preceptor in each rotation that you go through. So that's seven different people that you might click with as well as our two program directors. Um, But on top of that, we also have a lot of fellows kind of, as Kyle was saying, stay in the organization after they finish their fellowship. And they're another great resource of um, people that you can talk to and learn from and give advice and, you know, help you along your way, which is excellent. But I would say it really is that kind of natural um, mentorship piece of who do you click with and and um where do you make those connections? and And it happens very organically. I would say it everyone that I've uh, worked with at MGH has found people in the system that that's helped them on their on their way for sure,
4: yeah. And so on the Cleveland Clinic side, we do have dedicated uh, mentors that you are given at the start of your fellowships. So you have an executive level mentor. Who um, fellows typically meet with on a monthly basis, but honestly, it's up to the fellow and, and that executive to s- determine the cadence of that. You also have an alumni fellow mentor, so a um, you know a person who has previously gone to the fellowship is you know typically one to five years out, uh, someone who you can kind of have more day-to-day conversations with. Um, but certainly, just want to echo what Colleen said. I think while those mentors that are assigned are are absolutely phenomenal, I think that uh, the real value in the day-to-day and um, It really comes from those organic relationships that you get, um, not just from projects, but from just talking with, you know, we have so many different networking opportunities here at the clinic. And, you know, when, when they have um, the application process for fellows, we typically have, you know, a dinner or a social hour and just not being afraid to talk with people there. You'd be amazed at um, what kind of relationship can can kind of spawn out of that.
3: At Stanford, it's a little bit different because we've got, uh, as a fellow, you report into two individuals. You've got David Entwistle, who's the president and CEO and you also report into alpha Baez, who's the chief patient experience officer um really exciting because they both have kind of equal counterparts and you get a, you got you get two different perspectives um the greatest thing about it though is that alpha is such a good sounding board right you, you're looking for anyone in any organization you don't have to have Alpha, you know, for Ed Stanford to have this, but anyone you're looking for, just kind of a level-headed executive that can share meaningful feedback, because David is an, is a, an extremely approachable individual, love David to pieces, I can talk to him about anything, but th- at the same time, he is the president and CEO of the system, and so you have a little bit of a different conversation with them than you would just anyone else. And so for anyone, depending on your reporting um, dynamic within the fellowship, Thinking about that, thinking about how you have individuals who you say, oh, my goodness, I have no idea what to do with this project. Like, can you maybe point me in the right direction where that granular of detail may not be like a president and CEO level aspect of, of what you do? And so kind of learning where you can go for different mentorship related items, I think, is a very valuable lesson. And I would also say, too, I, mean, I, I know there's no other word other than mentor to use in that regard. But sometimes we get stuck on that. Sometimes people get stuck on the fact of like, oh my gosh, they're not my official mentor. Like I, I need to have like a designated individual who does that. And that's not true at all. Like end of the day, a mentor is nothing more than a friend, someone who you connect with, someone who you can actually talk with. Um, so even for me, I mean, I would, my routine is I'd go in by like seven, 7.30 as a fellow. And there was usually a few early bird executives that were in there. And most of the time I just sit there and talk with them about random stuff. Now, did I talk to them about project work or anything organizationally? No, but like, did I have awesome and do I still have awesome relationships with them? Absolutely. And I think that's part of the the benefit of it too.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much for those insightful answers. Um, So looking ahead, what do you hope to achieve within your career and how do you plan to continue your growth beyond your current experiences? are there any areas currently within your institutions that you may be interested in pivoting into?
4: I I can kick us off. So, you know, for me personally, I think um, coming into the fellowship, I think one of the the things that stuck out to me about sort of the value behind a fellowship is the diversity and project work and getting exposure to a lot of different areas to kind of help me think through where it is I wanna go long-term with my career. and, you know, I think currently, you know, I'm sitting as a program manager within the regional hospital administration office at Cleveland Clinic. So I'm getting to work on a lot of sort of true hospital operations projects across our different regional facilities in Northeast Ohio. So I think where I'm sitting now, I, I really enjoy that line of work. Um, and and I think, you know, there's sort of a natural career path that that comes out of that, that I'm, I'm currently on, you know, that I'm interested in, in pursuing. With that said, I think that you know I really take it day by day and and month by month and and kind of just see um, the different kind of exposure opportunities that that come up not only here at the clinic but also externally. So I know that's a bit of a non-answer, but I, I think I'm kind of early on in in my career here, so I'm still trying to feel it out. But if I had to make an answer now, I would say that I really enjoy the the true hospital operation space, looking at things like you know throughput, left before treatment complete. Um, etc.
0: I would agree I'm in my operations rotation right now and loving it so hoping to stay in clinical operations for a while I think I've decidedly rolled out strategy is great and obviously will still play a part but I don't want to be making long-term plans I'm really just kind of itching to make change that I can see tomorrow Um, so hopefully we'll stay in that realm uh, once I finish the fellowship but From there, I'm just trying to keep my mind open and say yes to as many things as I can and see where that takes me.
3: I'll share uh, just a little bit of insight, you know, just a few years out, like not saying I'm this, uh, you know, well-versed individual deep into my career. I'm only like three years out, four years out post-fellowship. What I'll say, though, is that for anyone like Especially within health administration, we oftentimes view things extremely linearly where we're like, awesome. You know, when we go to undergrad, we maybe get a little work experience, MHA program, awesome internship. And then your sites are 100% laser focused on fellowships. It's a huge event. It's a big thing. It, it's, it kind of determines a lot of what you do for the first few years of your career. And, and that's awesome. But it's, a, it's, it's extremely like step by step process. The thing that's tough is that you usually can really pin down and say, great, based off this project work or what I like to do as a fellow, this is where I'm going to go. And so post fellowship, you're like, awesome, you know, you know, year or two out, you're still like, I'm loving this job. I'm a manager or I'm a director or VP of ops, wherever you are, depending on your organization and size. Um, I'll admit the thing that is a little tricky is you, you start approaching kind of your year three, four, five mark. And, you, and all you see is like 20 to 30 years of career in front of you. And you're like, awesome. Well, I see cool mentors. I see cool leaders 10, 15, 20 years in front of me. I want to become that. But how, how do I meaningfully continue to make progress? Because to be honest, when you're in an MHA program, you're in like a full-blown accelerator. You're going like, you're drinking from a fire hose. You're going to a cool organization as an intern and as a fellow and so forth. And you continue to desire to move forward, you're continuing to look for different opportunities. And the thing is, like, you you inevitably start gravitating toward you, towards what you like to do, towards what you're good at, toward teams, toward leaders and so forth. But admittedly, like it can change. Like, if you were to ask me or anyone else, you know, as you entered in your MHA program, like, yeah, I love day to day operations three, four, five years out, you may say, hey, love day-to-day operations, but it also never slows down. Like it's busy all the time. And so maybe you start taking on different, you know, business development strategy, different ways to kind of differentiate yourself and learn more of a system. Because when you do look at a CEO or a COO or anyone else, they're not a jack of, of one trade, they're a jack of all trades to some capacity. And they know how to, you know, maneuver throughout the organization and develop skill sets accordingly. And so um that's one thing I would just say and then for me still trying to kind of navigate what that looks like. Enjoy what I do now, but um starting to kind of hit that that precipice of saying do I fall more on the ops side? Do I fall more on kind of the strategic side and what career paths look like in those different mindsets.
1: Yeah, Kyle, I I really echo that comment with you know while you're in an MHA, you're drinking from a fire hose. I feel like David and I just got here just you know started recruiting for internships got our internship now it's done and we're out and we're looking for jobs so I completely completely feel that I wanted to end off on you know tips you guys have for the application process for aspiring applicants for your respective fellowships and kind of on that note for anyone listening who's not looking to enter a fellowship just general tips on applying and interviewing.
0: I think it goes without saying, but just being your authentic self really goes a long way. I think a lot of people try to say all the right buzzwords and things like that, but really sharing your own reasons for wanting to pursue whatever job it is or fellowship. um, Why specifically that organization and what about their culture really draws you in and wants you to be a part of it and what you can bring to the table, I think is really critical to share. And then my only tip for during the interviews is you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. So make sure that the organization is a fit for you and not just another check on the list. Um, So making sure it's a place you want to be. These are leaders that you think you could click with and, you know, different projects sound like things you'd want to work on because you're going to be there for at least a year, if not several. So making sure that you want to be there too is, is really key, I'd say.
4: I guess the only thing I might add, I mean, it, it's it's pretty straightforward, but just making sure you have the basics covered. I think you'd be surprised how many um, people applying to internships or fellowships just overlook certain aspects of the application. So and so making sure your resume is, is fully there. And then I think, and this ties back to what Colleen was saying, but, you know, obviously MassGen, Stanford, Cleveland Clinic, they're all, you know, premier healthcare organizations. So making sure you, you are really thoughtful about why specifically are you applying to each organization, because I think through uh, cover letters, or just even in the interview, I think it can become very apparent when a candidate is truly sold on an organization versus one that might just be kind of throwing their hat in the ring. I
3: think Colleen and Jacob touched on obviously all the kind of the deep, the nuanced details of of applications and everything else. Well, will maybe take like a slightly different slant on it. You know, we, we over the last handful of years obviously have gone through a lot, a lot of mental health related items, and, and uh, fellowships are no joke. Like it's a the application process is a very strenuous process. so think of my think of my comment as like a a, a warm blanket that you can find comfort in because we, sometimes we don't get this. And, and the bottom line is this. sorry but like you're going to get denied from a few organizations and it's very painful and you don't know why and you've spent a lot of time on doing those applications and then lo and behold you get that one email that comes out of I got denied out of Cleveland Clinic and they sent me a note and said, Hey, we move forward with other candidates. Didn't know why, have no idea why. That's okay. Cleveland you know, Cleveland Clinic found Jacob and everybody else, you guys do great. But the point is, like, just as you will be denied by organizations, you will equally be just fine. Like you're gonna find a really cool organization that aligns with exactly what you're looking for. It's going to, it may be Cleveland, it might be Stanford, it might be a smaller community hospital somewhere in the Midwest, but at the end of the day, that doesn't need to prohibit you from having an awesome career. Like you're just coming out of graduate school. And that also means that you've got an entire career in front of you. So if you're listening now and you still are like, oh my gosh, I'm still struggling, or I don't know how to proceed beyond whatever that fellowship is or I still am am, am still excited about these aspects of healthcare, but I don't know how to get there. Reach out to anybody, reach out to, those are on the podcast. Now reach out to your, your alumni networks, reach out to anybody else based on where you go on your fellowship or even your first job. If you don't select a fellowship or if a fellowship doesn't work for you, that doesn't determine what your career is and you can work for any institution you'd like uh, just depending on what you want to do. And so, I feel like that's kind of what I, I think what a lot of people want to hear <laughs> during fellowship process, because there's so much stress and anxiety surrounding it. But at the end of the day, like, just keep that in mind and, and do the best you can. And I think the, the chips will kind of fall where they need to.
1: What's a great parting advice to all our listeners?
3: I would say something along the lines of like, you know, find a way to differentiate yourself. So then you actually stand out amongst some of your you know healthcare colleagues.
4: Yeah, and I can share something that they say. At, you know, the Cleveland Clinic fellowship is uh, stay hungry and humble. And I think that that tied, the humble piece ties back to to what Kyle was talking about. How you know across the organization, there'll be people who champion the fellowship, and there'll be others that um, not necessarily don't champion it, but just aren't as familiar with it or aren't as close to it. So just um, you know, maintaining sort of the eagerness to always say yes to work, doing high quality work, and then and keeping uh, humility throughout.
2: Well, I want to thank you, Colleen, Kyle, and Jacob, for the time you took to give valuable advice and insight to Daniel, all our listeners, and myself. I hope this will assist young professionals across the country in their journey within our healthcare industry.
1: Stay tuned for our next episode. I don't want to share too many details, but I will say it is a CMO of a huge healthcare organization. You're just going to have to wait and see.
0: Thank you for listening to the Health Conscious Podcast. Stay tuned in for our next episode by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed. And follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at The Health Conscious Podcast for updates and exclusive behind the scenes. See you next time.